Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. Today's episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark is brought to you by Keeps, the service that provides men with a customized hair loss treatment plan from a state-licensed physician, along with FDA-approved medications from the comfort of their home, and by Robinhood, the investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. I'll be back after tonight's first story to tell you a little more about Keeps, and after the second to tell you a bit more about Robin Hood and a special offer they have for my listeners this week. Until then, take a moment to double-bolt your doors, double-check your windows, and check beneath your bed. You never know who else might be tuning in along with you tonight. <laughs> Stay tuned. The show is about to begin. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening. You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 11. I'm your host, Otis Jiry. In tonight's episode, I'll be performing five stories for you about holiday horrors, terrifying toys, animal intentions, nightmarish numbers. You're listening to the Standard Edition of tonight's program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And thank you for your support. It's time to get started, so lock your doors, 
Turn your lights down low and settle in. The show is about to begin. <laughs> Our first tale of terror this evening from author Jessica Charlie is entitled I Was a Christmas Elf. Mrs. Claus sat in her rocker, a half-completed sweater resting on her lap. The alarm clock on the small table beside her rang a shrill alarm through the warm air of the house, announcing that it was now 1 a.m. She reached for it, hitting the button at the top of the light tang, and silencing the sound. She cranked the dial back another hour so it would ring at 2 a.m. This was how we kept track of Santa's journey on Christmas Eve. How are those cookies looking? Shandrell opened the oven door and peered inside. The chocolate chip cookies need another few minutes. She stood and looked at the counter behind her, touching a finger to one of the cooling gingerbread men. But the gingerbread men are ready for decoration. I looked up from my piping. The sugar cookies are almost done, too. Mrs. Claus beamed at us before continuing her knitting. Good, good. You girls are such perfect little elves. The kitchen counters were covered with cooling racks of sugar cookies, decorated with red and green frosting, pinwheel cookies with chocolate and coconut layers, and almond shortbread cookies dusted with powdered sugar. Several pies cooled in the window, the chilled glass absorbing their heat to create a moist fog that blurred the snowy wonderland outside. I'd made apple and pumpkin pies as well as some meat pies with the beef left over from the cows we had in the summer. Meat pie wasn't something we normally had at the Christmas feast, but it had been Horace's favorite, and I wanted to honor him, to feel like he was still included in the celebration. My heart stung at his memory, and my eyes watered. I wanted to fall to the floor and cry, but it was Christmas and I had to put on a happy face for the younger elves. I swallowed my pain down and forced myself to smile as I worked. I would be able to cry later, in the quiet safety of the barn, away from the observant eyes of Mr. and Mrs. Claus. Once the cookies were finished baking, Chandrell started to roast the Christmas ham. The boys, who were now busying themselves with the stables, had slaughtered the pig earlier this week. Fresh potatoes and corn, harvested at the end of the fall, and root vegetables from the cellar would complete the feast. Santa always came back on Christmas hungry, even after eating the treats left by little boys and girls all over the world. Once he returned, we'd all celebrate the success of the holiday with him. It would be joyful to have everyone enjoy the sweet and savory treats created by me and Chandrell. This year there were twelve of us elves. Chandrell and I were the eldest. At nineteen, Chandrell was the oldest elf I'd ever known. I had always joked that it was her baking skills that kept her alive so long. I was the second eldest at sixteen. Until Thanksgiving, it had been Orith who had been the second oldest. He had been seventeen. Orith and I had been very close. Our love ran deep and constant like the river that bordered the North Pole on the south side. Being one of the two oldest female elves came with a lot of privileges and responsibilities. We were not only expected to take care of the younger elves, but to help Mrs. Claus with running the house, which meant also the barn and the cellar. We were the only elves that she would entrust to protect the food storages, since some of the younger elves would be less able to fight temptation during times when food was scarce. After Chandrell and me was Mirren, who was fourteen, then there was Aerolith, who had just turned twelve, and Zaltarish, who was eleven. Sisten was nine, the twins, Azararwin and Bianfindor, were eight, Plufin was seven, and Aelok was four. Then there was sweet Quoyeth, who was the second youngest at one year old. And finally, there was precious little Nim, who was only six months old. She was to spend the holiday tucked tightly in her crib, drunk on breast milk and dreaming of sugar plums. I had a special bond with Nim, 
because she was the first elf harvested from me. After years of fearing I wouldn't be able to contribute new elves to the pole, Nim finally came along, my little miracle. When Santa had punished Horth, I worried he would take his anger out on Nim as well. I begged him to spare her, that it was only me who was a threat to the joyful life at the North Pole. I will always be thankful to Mrs. Claus for saving our lives that night, even if her motives were only driven by concern for our small number. Her frantic cries warned Santa that losing two elves, adult elves, would be unwise in the harsh winter months, and even losing one infant would make the future difficult. At Mrs. Claus' pleading, he decided to show us both mercy that day, only locking us in the shed for a week as penance for my failings. See, the North Pole is a wonderful land of celebration and joy, but also of discipline and reverence. We elves have few rules we must follow, but disobedience is not an option. Rule number one, do your chores. The eldest female elves look after the home and the food reserves in the barn and cellar. We baked, cooked, pickled, cleaned, and did all the sewing. The eldest male elves looked after the animals and performed the butchering. Sometimes, under Santa's supervision, the boys would be allowed to travel north toward the mountains to hunt rabbits and deer. Chandrell had always envied their trips away. Neither of us had ever traveled past the tree line. Horth would tell me all about the animals and the views that he saw during those trips. We'd sneak to the barn late at night and lie together in the hay. He'd tell me about how rocky and steep the mountains grew as you approached them, and how beautiful the sun was setting over the pole. After their tenth year, elves were expected to help look after the crops and contribute to the harvest. It was tough work for such small bodies, but we all had to do our part. Horth had been so good about helping the little ones with their more difficult chores after he had finished all of his. When they weren't in the fields, they either took care of the younger elves or assisted the older elves in more detailed tasks. This also helped them learn the jobs that they would soon be expected to perform. The youngest elves were in charge of the easier chores, such as taking care of the chickens and collecting eggs, or helping with the gardening. When all the elves did their chores, the North Pole ran smoothly, like a well-oiled machine. Even this past year, with only twelve of us, we were all able to survive. And it was indeed lucky that Chendrell and Mirren were both ripe with the next generation of elves, promising that our numbers would grow again. Rule number two, always be joyful. Mrs. Claus told us that a smile is all you need in this world, that it was a conduit of joy. When we felt bad, things she'd shush us. Santa does not like it when the elves cry, she'd warn. But sometimes it was hard, especially for the little ones. We'd remind them to try and be joyful, even when they had stubbed their toe or skinned their knee. But still, the tears would flow around their frowns. We'd tell them that it gets easier as they grew older. They'd sniffle and nod, and we'd smile at them, rewarding their joy with cookies and candy. What I never revealed was that it was difficult to be joyful sometimes, even as an older elf, and so I had to pretend. When Mr. Claus could see my unjoyfulness seeping through my smiling face, he'd tell me to be more like the other elf girls, to be more like Chandrell or Mrs. Claus, whose warm smile never faltered. Mrs. Claus, with those ice-blue eyes, crinkled permanently by a wide, toothy smile. Mr. and Mrs. Claus said that elves were always joyful, so I used to worry that I was defective. But then I started going to the barn at night with Orth, and he told me he wasn't joyful sometimes, too. I told him about how I was often not joyful, he looked me deep in the eyes and told me he felt the same, telling him that oddly made being joyful easier. Rule number three. Only Santa may leave the pole. The only exception being when he would take the older boys hunting. Otherwise, only Santa was able to come and go, 
and he didn't leave only on Christmas Eve, but would leave the pole once or twice a month. I once asked Mrs. Claus what Santa did when he left, and she explained that he needed things that we couldn't provide at the North Pole. Despite her unfaltering smile, she'd sympathize with us, the girl elves, on those nights. These were the nights when Santa would visit us in our room. Most of us wouldn't be able to sleep those nights, not when we knew what was coming. He'd waken the few that he could early in the morning, our thin door banging against the wall. The sound would always reverberate through my bones as a sour scent permeated the room, making the warm air heavy over my mouth, forced forever into a smile. He'd pick one or two of the girl elves and carry us out to the shed where he would ready us for harvesting new elves. It wasn't at all like when Horeth and I would go to the barn. That would be soft and painless. It hurt when Santa sowed us. I was lucky, though. Chandrell was his favorite, so I was often left alone. There was an unspoken fourth rule at the pole, that only Santa may harvest his elves. We were supposed to be pure, but Horeth and I loved each other. We loved each other so much that our bodies ached to be together. And then Mr. Claus found out. He had been so proud of me, too, so proud that I had finally provided fruit for him in Mrs. Claus. It was then that he took Horeth to the shed. That was the last time I saw my love, his face twisted in fear and pain as Santa dragged him through the cold, dead leaves. I cried for him openly. Mrs. Claus allowed it, even though it was not joy. She had been much kinder than Santa. The alarm rang at 6 a.m. Mrs. Claus stopped her knitting and stood at the window, looking out at the window landscape around us. Worry furrowed her brow, slightly wrinkling her otherwise joyful face. Santa Claus had never been this late getting home before. At 11 a.m., Mrs. Claus let us eat some of the feast that we had prepared so that we could go to bed without empty stomachs. I couldn't sleep, though. Instead, I listened to her walk back and forth by the front windows waiting for him. At 3 p.m., the other girl elves and I joined her in the living room. At this point, she was curled up in her rocking chair. She wasn't crying, which I was surprised by. Despite rule number two, I understood the hurt that happens when someone you love doesn't come back. Yet, instead, Mrs. Claus rocked back and forth, her eyes glazed, staring out into nothing. She was unresponsive, her lips drawn tight, making her grim look dehydrated and skeletal. By the time 5 p.m. hit, we had abandoned her to feed the younger elves more of the Christmas feast, which now lay cold on the table. At 8 p.m., Chandrell called out for me to join her at the window. I hugged Nim close to my chest as I walked over to see. Chandrell pointed, and I immediately saw the shadowy figure which had just emerged from the tree line. Mrs. Claus jumped from her chair, pushing us aside to take a look. Oh, thank God, he's back, she cried, the practiced smile of joy stretching her face wide again. We continued to look over her shoulder as another shadowy figure appeared, followed by another. Soon, several shadows were walking toward the house. Mrs. Claw's face went pale, and for the first time, her smile wavered. It felt as if ice water was running down my spine. She ran to the back of the house and came barreling back moments later with a large shotgun. She brandished the weapon in front of her as she ran out the door wearing nothing but her housecoat and slippers. There was a loud bang, and she fell into the snow, which quickly turned red around her. We were too stunned to react. Within seconds, strange men were surrounding us, touching us and asking us questions in short barks. Chandrell smiled wildly at them, asking if they wanted some cookies and Christmas cheer. Nim and I were the only ones who cried. I haven't seen any of the elves since. The men let me keep Nim, though, which I appreciate. 
They gave me a cup of water and a cup of some warm, brown liquid I assumed was hot cocoa, but it was bitter and earthy. I spit it out, and the men took it away. They asked me a lot of questions, many of which I didn't understand. It was like they were speaking a different language. They asked me who my mother and father are, but I don't know what those words mean. I asked if I could go back to the North Pole, but the men only clenched their jaws without answering. Their features were sharp, and their flesh was not snowy white. They were not elves. They all looked different. It was difficult to keep them straight. They were all odd-looking, and each of them looked old, much older than Mrs. Claus. They looked like they were Santa's age. I'm alone now. This place is too bright, too cold, too metallic. The light hurts my eyes, and the coldness gnaws at my bones. Tears bite at my cheeks. I try to smile, but it's hard to even pretend to feel joy here. The warmth of Nim on my chest is the only comfort I have. She squirms, and I look down at her and try to smile again. She looks up at me, and her large, wet eyes search my features before lighting up with recognition. She smiles at me, and my heart lightens. I see Horace smile in hers, and for the first time since he died, my smile feels real. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I hope you enjoyed I Was a Christmas Elf by Jessica Charlie. Up next, we've got a tale from author Justine Anastasia about another horrific holiday and things that go bump in the night. But first, I'd like to tell you a bit more about one of tonight's sponsors, Keeps. Look, no matter who you are or what age, losing hair sucks. I didn't realize how much I cared about mine until I noticed that some of my good friends started losing theirs, and it really got me thinking, could I be next? What do I do if it happens to me too? When one of my colleagues told me recently about what they've been doing about their own hair loss situation, I was all ears. They told me how, for the last six months, they've been using a service called Keeps. Turns out, it's the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair you have. Since they've started using Keeps, they told me, they stopped losing their hair and the effects were pronounced. Before they started the treatment, 
They dreaded taking showers and seeing hair collecting in the drain filter, and even stopped letting their wife run their fingers through their hair, all because every time she did it, he'd worried that she'd end up with a palm full of his formerly thick head of hair. But he decided he'd had enough, and started treatment with keeps, and I can tell you the difference is obvious. Even I noticed before he said anything. It was obvious he was doing something different. I just didn't know what it was at the time. He hadn't just stopped his hair loss in its tracks. If you ask me, he's actually grown some of it back. So he told me more about how the FDA approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they are finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes now, and just a buck a day, he never has to worry about hair loss again, and neither will you. Getting started with Keeps is so easy. Sign up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a few questions and snap some photos of your hair. A licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you. Then it's shipped right to your door every three months. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Some of you have probably tried them before, but you've probably never gotten them for this price. And the best part, Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Plus, now you can get your first month free. One hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair, if you ask me. My buddy considers it a bargain, bargain of a lifetime. To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com told. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash told. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash told. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. Be sure to use that URL so that they know Otis Jiry sent you. Not everyone's been as lucky as I have over the years with regard to hair. But with Keeps, you don't need to worry. I'd love to hear stories from my listeners about how Keeps has helped you. Let me know anytime on social media or via email. Now, up next, I've got another terrifying tale for you. So turn those lights down low and get cozy. We've got more frightening tales coming right up. Our second story today comes to us courtesy of author Justine Anastasia and is entitled Trick or Treat. No, I'm going to stay in. It's been a long day and the most I intend to do tonight is hand out candy. Lame. Look, just for once, ignore your spinster instincts and come to Jackson's. We'll get sloppy drunk and play strip twister. Oh, sounds like a blast. I already have her costumes picked out. Oh, this I have to hear. What's the costume? Hipster scarecrows. Yeah. No. Josh will be there. See, only in your mind would it sound appealing to make an ass of myself in front of a guy I like. The trick is to get so wasted you don't remember the embarrassing parts. Uh-huh. Also, it's Wednesday. Nina, I swear, you're the youngest granny I know. I appreciate the invite, genuinely. But I'm just not up for that kind of action tonight. I have a date with Michael Myers and 80 or 90 Twix bars. Ooh, sexy. All right, well, if you change your mind, text me. You'll be the first to know, promise. And send me pictures of the naked twister. You got it, Granny. I hopped the phone, relieved, all things considered, I got off pretty easy. Allie could be uh, tenacious. Normally, I loved going out for Halloween, no matter what day of the week it was. But what I said was the truth. It had already been a rough week, and I was looking forward to a relaxing night of too much candy, Jamie Lee Curtis, and maybe one spiked apple cider. Halfway through, washing some spinach for dinner, the doorbell rang for the first time. A chorus of trick-or-treat erupted when I opened the front door. 
Two little boys and their dad, dressed in a group costume. Buzz, Woody, and Andy. Really cute. I let them take three each. Quite a few came by after that. A princess, a Pikachu, lots of Spider-Man, a mini Beetlejuice, a witch. As it got later and darker, the trick-or-treaters got older. The costumes changed. There were a lot of masks, creepy ones. Thankfully, these were usually paired with a sexy version of something. Sinister burlap mask with black eye holes was accompanied by a sexy skeleton. Ghostface walked up hand in hand with a sexy pirate. By eleven o'clock, I was on Halloween 4, had gone through a disconcerting amount of candy, and hadn't moved for almost an hour. The trick-or-treaters had tapered off around ten or so, and I was contemplating my pajamas. When the doorbell rang, my first thought was drunk teenagers, and I was ready to negotiate the non-egging of my house in exchange for Kit Kats. But when I opened the door, there was only one man standing there waiting for me, dressed as a clown. I hate clowns to begin with, and this guy was massive. But I have to say, it was the friendly kind of costume, not the creepy kind. The white face had smiling blue lips surrounded by red blue around the eyes. It looked vintage. Staring up at the happy face, though, I couldn't help but be a little creeped out. Then he leaned forward and whispered, Trick or treat. Mentally, I slapped myself. Generally speaking, serial killers don't walk up to the front door, ring the bell, and wait for candy. It was Halloween. He was probably a dad going around for his kid. Mad at myself, I smiled and reached for the bowl next to the door. A little late, isn't it? I said, trying to be neighborly. Without responding, he glared down at the bowl. Oh, take what you like. I doubt I'll get anyone else after you. He looked back at me, still not taking anything, and said again, Trick or treat. I frowned. Did I not have what he wanted? What's the problem? I'm sorry, I don't... He took a step toward me, now crowding the doorway, and I felt myself wanting to shrink away from him. Trick or treat? For me, well, I'd choose treat. Definitely, I, I wouldn't want a trick. I laughed a little bit, like I still thought it was no big deal, like we were just chatting. Like I wasn't fighting off real fear and wondering whether or not I could outrun him. Nodding, he reached into his pocket. Before I had time to panic, he pulled out a dirty piece of paper and dropped it into the bowl of candy. Then, without a word, he turned and went back down the walkway and out to the street. Slammed the door and locked it, not really knowing what I should do first. Call the police? Say what? That a giant clown was aggressively trick-or-treating? He hadn't actually done anything. Just creeped me out. I doubted they'd call in the SWAT team for that, and I really did not want to go down that useless road. Unless he'd written something on the note, anything even vaguely threatening, and I could take it to the police. Finding the bowl of candy on the kitchen table, I uncrumpled the small scrap of paper. It took forever. He must have folded it ten times. And when I did, I wished I hadn't. Wished I'd never opened the door in the first place. It said, on the back steps. This is the part where everyone starts yelling to run. I know, I would have said the same thing myself, but run where? Yes, he could have written that note hoping I'd go and check out the back, or he could have written it hoping I'd get scared and run out the front, or he wasn't anywhere and had written a note thinking this would be hilarious. I settled on the back. If I turned on the light, I'd be able to see out there without opening the door. If he was there and came after me, he'd have to break through the door. I'd at least have some time to run for it. Well aware that it has almost never helped anyone in a horror movie, I took a knife from the drawer and edged toward the back. Waiting, I counted at ten, 
wanted to see if I'd hear the telltale rattle of someone trying to open the door. Nothing. Back, flat against the wall, I flicked on the porch light and looked out through the small window. At first, I didn't notice the small package on the steps. I was looking for him. The hulking shape of a man either hiding or running at me. As far as I could see, he wasn't out there. I had no intention of turning that light off, but thought that maybe I should check the rest of the house and started to turn away. And that's when my eyes landed on the box. Just a black cube silhouetted against the light, but I knew he'd left it for me. I knew not to go out there. It would be a trap, a trick, probably was. But I wanted help, damn it. I wanted the cavalry, and I was just so scared they wouldn't come if they thought it was a practical joke or if they didn't take me seriously. It could be evidence out there. And that was why I went out to get it. I took another long look and unlocked the door and then opened it. If he was out there watching me, he'd have to cover a lot of ground to get to me, and I thought I'd have enough time to get back inside. Deep breath. One. Two. Three. I sprinted the handful of steps to the package and grabbed it, careful not to overshoot and go tumbling down the stairs. Before I took another breath, I was back in the house, door locked behind me, gasping for air like I'd just run a marathon. Checking the window again, I saw still nothing. Nothing but yellow leaves rustling in an unsteady wind. Setting the box on the kitchen table, I took a pair of latex gloves from under the sink. It hadn't just been the light. The box, my treat, was wrapped in shiny black paper. Crinkled unpleasantly when I lifted the lid. I had no idea what to expect drew back just in case something sprang up, but there was nothing like that. Nothing alive or dangerous in the traditional sense. Reaching in, ignoring the crackle of the paper, I pulled out two white shoes covered in blood, little ballet flats about the size of my hand. My fingers trembled and my eyes started to tear up. I wanted to believe, more than anything, that it was fake blood that all of this was someone's sick idea of a Halloween prank. But there's no mistaking the smell of real blood. A lot of it had dried. There were still specks of dark, sticky red. I stood there too long, looking at them, unable to break out of that horrified paralysis. The police, no question now. Where the hell did I leave my phone? It had to be back in the living room, on the other side of the house, of course. Ripping off the gloves, I made myself move. If I didn't, I'd be cowering in my brightly lit kitchen until noon tomorrow. All I had to do was get there, grab my phone, and call 911. I took the knife just in case. Everything was going to be fine. I screamed when the doorbell rang. Gripping the handle of my knife, I looked out through the peephole. I couldn't see anyone. Standing there... Holding my breath, I waited for the doorknob to turn, for a fist to start pounding against the panels. Instead, a small voice said, Hello? Is anyone there? What the hell? I listened, not sure what was going on, not sure if I was quite possibly losing my mind. Can you help me, please? The little voice sounded choked up like it was trying very hard not to cry. I'm lost, and I can't find my way home. If a little kid was out there, they had to get in the house, right now. I opened the door to find a little girl, eight or nine years old, dressed in a bloody ghost costume. White face paint, dramatic black shadow around the eyes, white gloves and a cut-up sheet that hung to the ground. She blinked up at me and said, Please help me. I wanted to ask her a million questions. How long she'd been out there? Where were her parents? But I was scared. My eyes jumped from shadow to shadow trying to see if any were moving in any way they shouldn't be. I hope you get home. Don't worry. But you have to come inside right now. We'll call your parents. She looked past me into the house and shook her head. Panic and frustration crowded in on me, and all I wanted to do 
was grab her and drag her into the house. But that wasn't fair and probably wouldn't speed things up. Maybe if we could just get to my car. Okay, I, I understand. Let me just get my phone and we can both... No! She looked past me again into the house. He's waiting for you. Listening for you to go into that room. You have to come with me right now. Before I could respond, I heard fast, heavy footsteps behind me, coming up the basement stairs. The girl's eyes widened. Run! I ran, leaving the front door open behind me. I sprinted after the girl. The knife in my hand felt like a toy. I almost threw it away. Just once, I turned and looked behind me and saw the clown crashing through the doorway. The girl was already ahead of me. I could barely see flashes of white in the darkness and sped up, not wanting to lose her, not daring to stop her or even slow down. I screamed up to the houses we ran by to call the police, call for help. We cut through yard after yard until we were racing down a street I didn't recognize. Even though I ran faster than I ever had before in my life, the clown was still right behind us and he was catching up. Ducking under a low-hanging branch, I realized I'd lost the girl. Ready to take off in whichever direction looked most promising, I stopped when I heard a voice. In here. I turned and saw her peeking out the front door of a house. I ran to her and tried to lock the door behind me, but the deadbolt wouldn't turn. Shit. I gave up and rushed to the back door. It was blocked. Twisting the knob with both hands, I threw myself against the panels. Come on. It wouldn't budge. I had no idea where the girl had gone, but I knew I was almost out of time. I could feel it. The same way you can feel a headache coming on. That sense of pressure building. Back to the front of the house, I started up the stairs. I'd only made it to the fourth one by the time the door flew open. Without turning around, I tore up the rest of the stairs and threw myself behind the first door I came to and slammed it shut behind me. A bathroom. There was a window by the shower and I raced over to it, ready to break the glass if I had to, and saw it was a sheer drop to the driveway. Damn it! Maybe if I tried using the shower curtain as a rope. The door was kicked in with such force that the wood splintered. The clown stepped in and waved his fingers at me. In the other hand, he held a cleaver. I had no chance at all. He crossed the bathroom in two steps, that stupid clown mask grinning down at me. I didn't even scream. Then I heard a small voice yell from the hallway. Hey, don't you touch her. The clown turned and froze, staring at the girl. Without thinking, I lifted the knife I'd taken from my kitchen, the one that felt like a toy that never helps anyone in the end, and slashed it across his throat. He stumbled back, one hand pressed against the cut. A hot red spray spurted through his fingers and hit the walls, spattered against my face. He went down, swinging the cleaver, slicing through my arms just below the shoulder, but I didn't even feel it. Face down on the floor, the clown's body shuddered, heavy boots thudded against the towel, fingers twitched. I waited until he was still before I moved. For good measure, I knelt and brought the knife down, stabbing it in the back of his neck, and left it there. Stepping over him, I went to the girl and grabbed her, hugging her, probably too tight. That was such a brave, stupid thing to do. Are you hurt? She shook her head but started to cry a little bit. She said, You just have to come with me now, okay? The only place we were going was to phone to call for help, but I nodded and let her lead me downstairs. I'm sorry. But I need you to make sure that someone takes care of my mommy and daddy. We came around to the corner, into the living room, and my stomach clenched into a tight, sick ball. Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Two bodies were sprawled in front of me, covered in blood, parts of them missing. The room started to tilt and go out of focus. We had to leave. I wasn't about to leave that poor girl alone while I fainted. We're getting out of here. Come with me right now, I said, reaching for the girl's hand. 
but she stepped away from me and shook her head no. I have to go now. I don't want to get left behind. That made me so sad for her. I would never leave you here. We're going to get help together. She smiled. I know. Just don't forget about my mom and dad and how much you helped us. Try to remember that and not be too sad when it's all over. I looked at her, not understanding. She pointed across the room. My mom's phone is on the table next to the sofa. Wanting to grab the phone and get the hell out of the house, I walked over, avoiding the blood as much as I could. As I reached down, I noticed something on the other side of the sofa, a flash of white in the darkness, and started to cry. A cut-up sheet covered in blood, white gloves. But her feet were bare. The shoes were gone. I hope you enjoyed Trick or Treat by author Justine Anastasia. Speaking of tricks, our next story from author Devin Hooper will give you all new reasons to do a double take whenever you cross paths with a doll or plush toy. For all you know, they might be looking back at you. But first, I'd like to tell you a bit more about Robin Hood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, EFTs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. While other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data, and place a trade in just four taps of your smartphone. You can also view stock collections such as the 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, trade your favorite companies, and get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of scary stories told in the dark a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at scarystories.robinhood.com. Now, without further ado, grab your safety blanket and hold on tight our third story tonight is sure to satisfy your craving for the creepy, but might leave you in need of more than investing advice. You might just need a fresh pair of pants. <laughs> Stay tuned. Our third tale of terror this evening is presented by Devin Hooper. I give to you, I always hated dolls. Everyone has their fears, whether they're rational or rational. Mine has always been dolls. Not all dolls. Mainly just the ones that are a bit too human. I think it's mainly the eyes that get me. So I'm sure you can imagine I was ecstatic to find out I was the inheritor of my very own clown doll. It was a gift from my late great-aunt. I'd met her maybe once or twice in my life, so why she left this of all things to me was beyond me. This doll was something straight from my nightmares. I mean, a doll was bad enough, but then you throw in the clown element as well? The doll's glass-like face was painted white with red accents and markings over the eyes, mouth, and cheeks. The eyes themselves, however, were nothing but a black void. It has thick white hair jetting out the sides and a round hat that almost resembles a cherry on top. Its outfit is essentially your typical clown attire. Like the face, it was a mixture of red and white. This doll is about the size of a toddler. 
In other words, way too big for me to feel comfortable anywhere near it. I would have given it away, but out of respect for my grandmother, I kept it. So, naturally, its new home would be my closet. Placed it in the top, the back of an old dresser that held clothes which no longer fit me. I thought that would be fine and my life would go on as it always had. Unfortunately, that would not be the case. I'm not exactly a tidy person, so my clothes rarely made it back to my closet. As a result, I didn't have to see my clown friend for quite a while. It was a few weeks later before I finally went into my closet in the quest for a clean pair of jeans. There was, sitting on the floor in front of the dresser. I assumed he must have fallen off the dresser somehow, because I clearly remembered setting him on top. Those empty black eyes were too much for me, though. I grabbed my jeans quickly and left without bothering to put him back on top. I spent the rest of the day thinking about how that doll could have fallen off the dresser. So, as a curious person, I decided to check out the closet when I returned home. The doll was there, of course, but it was back to its original position atop the dresser. I approached it and looked into those empty eyes. Nothing. As much as it creeped me out, it was just a doll, right? I must have just imagined seeing it on the floor. I live alone, so there's no way anyone else could be moving it. Regardless, I decided to stay clear of the closet as much as possible. A couple of nights later, I was awoken to the sound of what seemed to be laughter, and it appeared to be coming from the closet. It was very faint, which is why I was a bit surprised it woke me. Generally, I'm a very heavy sleeper. For something like this to wake me was quite odd. The last thing I wanted to do was go into that closet, so I decided to attempt to wait it out. After about thirty seconds, I heard a loud thump, and then the laughter stopped. After turning on every light possible and arming myself with a kitchen knife, I decided it was time to check the closet. I slowly opened the door, and it was completely normal, absolutely nothing out of place. Even the doll sat upon his normal spot on top of the dresser. I picked up the doll and felt around it to see if there was any sort of speech box, but there wasn't. With a loud sigh, I set the clown back down and left my closet. Perhaps I was finally losing it. Over the next couple days, I was on high alert. I began to notice small things here and there had gone missing or were moved, most notably small bits of food that I swear I hadn't eaten. I relentlessly searched every nook and cranny of my small house, looking for any possible signs of vermin or other intruders, everywhere, that is, except the closet. Alas, my searches turned up nothing, further confirming my idea that I was in fact losing it. That was until a couple nights later when the laughing returned. Only this time it wasn't just faint laughter. There was a booming cackle. The laugh seemed to reverberate throughout my whole house. I was petrified. I didn't dare move an inch from my bed. The laughing persisted, and I began to hear loud banging noises coming from my closet, until suddenly its door swung open. A large, dark figure emerged and stormed out of my room. I heard it sprint through my house, opening my front door and leaving. As soon as this happened, the laughter stopped. After reminding myself to breathe, I was finally able to move from my bed. I approached the closet. What I found devastated me. My old dresser was no longer against the wall. Instead, it was now in the middle of my closet, and where the dresser had been was a hole. A hole easily large enough for a human to fit behind, 
but small enough that you would never notice it if it was being covered up. Beside the hole was the doll, seated perfectly upright, with one arm outstretched towards the hole. I didn't dare look into the hole, afraid of what I might find. Instead, I grabbed the doll and locked myself in my car as I called 911. The police later confirmed my suspicions of what had happened. Someone had been living in my home. Inside the hole was a pallet where the person had been sleeping, as well as a small amount of trash. Worst of all, the person had a small collection of pocket knives. They were probably not meant to be used as weapons, but it's still not exactly comforting thinking about it. Since that night, my clown friend has not left my room. He now has his own special perch on the table next to my bed. Still not a huge fan of dolls, but perhaps they aren't all so bad. Thanks again to today's sponsors, Keeps and Robinhood, for their support of this show. Don't forget, as a listener, you can receive your first month of treatment with Keeps for free. Go to keeps.com slash told. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash told. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash told. And our friends at Robinhood are giving listeners of Scary Stories Told in the Dark a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Once again, sign up at scarystories.robinhood.com. Thanks for joining me tonight for Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you like what you heard and would like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's episode, which includes two more terrifying tales, Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself on Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, where you can sign up for a season pass and get access to all 24 ad-free extended episodes from this season, or sign up as a patron for just $5 per month and get access to not just my show, but our network's audio archive of hundreds of previous releases, including premium versions of our other shows, such as the Simply Scary Podcast and Horror Hill. Not only that, but you'll be lending your support to this very program and help me continue bringing nightmares to life each and every week. Thank you very much for your support. Until next week, stay spooky and get some sleep if you can. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program 
and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.